website do uh, in general right now. Uh, we can get into a little bit more of the background and, and all that if you'd like. Um, I am uh, on faculty at North Carolina State University, um, which is the uh, largest uh, university in North Carolina, public university, flagship school, or land camp school. Um, we, along with our uh, sister institution down the street, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, are the, the two uh, major universities, uh, public universities in North Carolina. Um, and uh, my primary faculty appointment at NC State is as a librarian. Um, and I think that uh, the first thing to say is forget what you think you know about librarians and libraries. <laughs> um, <laughs> my my day to day work is is very different than what <laughs> one picture. Um, uh, and I think you know that's that's true. Uh, that's true to a large extent of librarians in general these days. Um, but it's especially true, uh, I think, of me. Um, I work primarily um, uh, in two realms. Uh, uh, one is in library collections in terms of uh, overseeing a lot of the uh, selection, how we, how we spend lots and lots of public money to support the mission of the university. Uh, and on the other hand, in research support. And that's the area where um, most of what I do really these days has evolved to becoming uh, support of interdisciplinary research teams. Um, and so these are teams of scientists, of engineers, of social scientists, humanists, whatever different fields, uh, design folks, whatever different fields are necessary to um, work with real-world issues, to work with uh, research that, you know, crosses realms. Um, and so um, my background, in addition to the library science background, is in cultural studies. So I look at uh, Basically, how how different cultures, how how humans work work together. Um, that's the short way of explaining that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's in that realm. It's in that realm that I also, for a lot of years, uh, fifteen plus years at NC State, uh, as well as elsewhere, uh, I've been teaching part time as well. Um, I've taught undergraduates, graduates. I've taught at NC State. I've taught at UNC. At particularly, uh, what's a, I think of interest to your listeners, uh, it's been a, a course that I've been teaching uh, over the last couple of years. Um, and it's a, a seminar course in our university honors program, um, interdisciplinary studies, that um, is entitled Science, Sci, Sasquatch and spirit. Yeah, and that's psi, psi, meaning uh, extraordinary powers of the mind. Uh, <laughs> so um, I started teaching this course because in my work and working with scientists and working with teams of scientists, helping put together teams of scientists, um, uh, knowing a lot about how science works in the real world, I wanted to. Um, 
uh, I wanted to teach a course that would help students to really understand that, to understand the, the uh, cultural place of science, but also cultures of scientific practice. There's a, a sort of a formal way that we think of science working. Okay, you gather evidence, you have a theory, you test that theory. I mean, that's the classical thing that everyone learns in elementary school. Um, but how does science work in the real world? How does it work in a world that's uh, made up of human institutions? How does it, how does it work in a world where uh, you get your funding from certain sources? Um, how does it work? In other words, how does it work with respect to people and our institutions? Um, and I chose to do this within the context of these areas that aren't typically considered part of mainstream science. Um, and I did that because I found that those areas were really, I thought that those areas would be really instructive for students um, because they would allow the students to ask questions that they might not ask of a more settled area of science. And this is actually proven really useful because the students get to look at these things and ask these questions. And I get to, to ask these questions of, you know, why is such and such considered scientific and why is such and such excluded from the scientific mainstream? And is it fair or <laughs> is that uh, for a particular valid reason or is that for some cultural, you know, cultural reason that may have nothing to do with the science per se. <laughs> um, and so by taking these areas of inquiry seriously and, and having the students look at these areas um, in a, with new eyes, um, to, to, to take them seriously, they learn about the process of how science works. And at the same time, to say it raises some really interesting questions about um, why why some of these things may may or, or may not be excluded from uh, the consideration of the mainstream. Hmm. Well, let me ask you, uh, mainstream science. I mean, I, I guess in a certain sense or to a certain extent, uh, a lot of us, you know, that have been involved with or in the world of cryptozoology, you know, a lot of us, uh, you know, you, you know, DNA, uh, you know, testing, all that's been in, you know, in discussions and been laid out there on the table, uh, all this different alleged evidence and everything. Um, so you, some of us have a little familiar, you know, we're a little familiar with science in, in some ways, you know, we're not scientists, but, um, you know, a lot of it's, you know, we hear about science through rumors and, you know, and, and when science does get involved with a lot of what we do. One of the, my question uh, to you is, uh, why do you feel that science, uh, I don't know if this is a safe way to question this, but why is mainstream science uh, so so stubborn on the acceptance of a lot of what's out there? Is it based off a of reputation? Could I mean, would that be a part of it? Or is there just I not think that's a big enough. part of it. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's a big part of it. Um, you know, and this is I don't want to I, I want to I don't want to go too too detailed in that because uh, I know we're we're 
we're saving a lot of that for the conference next week. Oh, yeah, that's uh, fine. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but I'll say, you know, this this has been one of the interesting things um, about uh, about teaching this course and doing research in this area um, is that, um, yeah, it's one of the things that's, that's, that I think is, is, is interesting and is that I think that a lot of, a lot of it is reputation. I think that there are, uh, you know, I mean, we, we got to admit Bigfoot has become, uh, not just within science, I mean, but just in mainstream culture, uh, Bigfoot has become this example of, of, Oh, something that, you know, crazy people believe in that obviously isn't true. Right. I mean, you might as well say unicorns, right? <laughs> uh, this is this is sort of the popular culture view of of, of the phenomenon. I think that there are um, there are some historical reasons for that, and I'm going to get into those next week. Um, awesome. But you know, I think that you have the prevailing cultural view that's saying, "Look, Bigfoot is just a silly idea," right? Uh, and then you have uh, scientists who um, are not, by and large, looking at this alleged evidence for for the Sasquatch hypothesis. Um, they're not looking at it because, well, they know from mainstream culture that this is a silly idea, right? So why? Uh, I've had um, I've had not a scientist, but someone who is is very knowledgeable of science who. Upon learning, I was teaching this course. Said, "So, uh, how are you getting this? You know, what are you, what are you trying to do? Get the students to think about things without evidence?" Um, uh, <laughs> and you know, completely unaware that um, there is physical evidence uh, that can be examined to investigate this hypothesis. There are track casts. There are, you know, certain other pieces of physical evidence. Um, this is a this is something that um, uh, the late John Bendernagel uh, struggled yes. with a lot. Um, Doctor Bendernagel, um, <laughs> John uh, unfortunately passed away early this year. Um, he is someone that uh, I never met in person, but I got to know very very well. Uh, by phone, we uh, we connected uh, just in the last year of his life, um, and he was a huge fan of the course that I was teaching, and and was very supportive. Um, and it was very interesting because he and I uh, he and I uh, saw what was happening was that we were coming at we were coming to a similar place. Uh, from different directions. Uh, I was looking at these questions of, you know, how does science work, and and looking at uh, looking at Sasquatch research as uh, a lens into understanding, you know, how 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 science structures its ideas and asks its questions. He was coming to looking at the philosophy and the history of science. Be through decades of uh, trying to bring this evidence in front of the scientific community and having it 
not so much dismissed as ignored. And so he 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 was he was getting to this this cultural aspect of science and uh, and uh, really trying to to grapple with that because he he was simply incredulous as to how how um, how he couldn't get a hearing for Sasquatch evidence for physical evidence. I'm not talking about just the you know just I mean it's, I think a lot of there's a perception among a lot of people that. The only evidence, per se, for Sasquatch is, is first-hand accounts, and that's absolutely not true. Um, I've seen uh, alleged evidence that you yourself have gathered there in Virginia, um, track cast and, and such. Um, and John, uh, John dealt with this, I thought, really well uh, in his book, The Discovery of the Sasquatch. Yeah. Um, and I certainly recommend that anybody who – Anybody who's interested in the subject at all and has not read that book, get your hands on a copy, read that book. I, um, yeah, I know. I definitely want, like uh, would love to do that too. Uh, just for the record, uh, yeah, Dr. John Bendenegli, he was you know one of my inspirations in the field because uh, especially his background. Uh, a, he's a wildlife biologist, you know, and you know to me for a man of you know, his, uh, I don't know what the right way to put this, but a man of who he stands, you know, who he is stepping into the world of cryptozoology to taking on, you know, you know, such a subject as such as Bigfoot Sasquatch, you know, and then, you know, throwing his reputation out there and, you know, and, and dealing with his, uh, other skeptical or non-believing colleagues, you know, and, you know, he's put a lot of. And to do it in such a public way, yeah. Exactly. And to do yeah. it in such a public and and uh, uh, you know, that that's the interesting thing. And what I find too is you know because I I work very closely with a lot of scientists and uh, know them very well. And and there are there are actually I think I think people would be surprised um, how many of them uh, aren't necessarily dismissive <laughs> of the Sasquatch hypothesis. Uh, uh, but they're not they're not out there studying it at the same time. They're not out there um, voicing that view. Uh, but privately, right. they're, you know, they 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 have an orientation towards science where this is you know certainly something that they would put in the realm of possibility at least. Hmm. Yeah, it's um, you know, you know, there's a lot of debate in the Bigfoot world, um, you know, when it comes to the existence and proving it, um, you know, and, and what, here's a question I'll, I ask every so often, uh, to a lot of different individuals and, uh, you know, and, you know, we got people like Dr. Jeff Meldrum who's involved and, uh, there's other archeologists and other anthropologists, uh, who've been in this field. Um, also, you know, staking their reputation, and some of these individuals have claimed to have sightings. Um, and um, I was going to mention one, but her name is uh, man, I can't believe her name is at the tip of my tongue, but I can't speak of it. But um, I'll come, maybe I'll come back to it later. But um, as far as people like you know Jeff Meldrum and everything, you know, it's the ones that are involved, they have. You know they have their belief on what something you know what the subject is, um, 
you know, I don't even know how I want to ask this because uh, for what I was going to present was I, I kind of lost my original question here because I didn't write it down like I normally do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but now, as far as the subject of Sasquatch, um, what's your take on what Sasquatch is? Um, you know, as far as there's a lot of speculation, there's a lot of theory based off of depending on how every individual does their research. Um, right. If you had a if you had to kind of make a you know statement on that, um, uh, how would you look into the subject of Bigfoot of Sasquatch, as far as what he or she is? Well, I, you know, I think that's you know that's, that's the million dollar question, right? Is what is <laughs> if it's there? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think that that's that you know, I mean, that's the uh, that's the interesting thing is that um, this is this is one of those those areas where we have. Um, we have we have evidence uh, of what appears to be this phenomenon, Sasquatch. Um, we don't necessarily have that smoking gun. <laughs> yeah. Abs- oh, yeah, right. Uh, Absolutely. You know, uh, we don't have <laughs> nobody's brought one in, <laughs> no dead or alive. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's not, um, there, you know, I mean, I think folks can, uh, can debate about, you know, the, 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 you know, DNA studies, this and that, but we don't have a, uh, we don't have a, a definitive study in this area. Um, uh, I think really the best, um, the best DNA study that's been, uh, conducted in this area was, uh, that, that was conducted by Brian Sykes. This is the, uh, uh, geneticist from the UK, um, and that you know he found he found no DNA evidence of a of an unidentified creature in what he looked at in North America. But he is also the first one to say, "Hey, I only looked at thirty samples." Uh, <laughs> you know, this was a very limited uh, it was a very limited study that he did. Uh, right samples from uh, Russia and from Asia and and North America. Um, and he found some, and he had some very interesting results just the same with the uh, the the, uh, uh, the Russian and the Asian samples. Um, so very uh, that was a very well done DNA study. Um, yeah. Those are, you know, yeah. Yeah. So but and again there was nothing there's no, hey, here it is. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I'm familiar know, I with that study. I'm sorry? Oh, no, I was just saying, yeah, I think I, yeah, I'm familiar with that study there based off of one of the documentaries I've watched in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and it's really interesting because there's a, there was a, there was an article that I, that a, a, a journalist wrote uh, a year or so ago uh, that took that study and said, hey, look, um, this shows that there is no Sasquatch, <laughs> uh, which was exactly the opposite of what Sykes himself, <laughs> the conclusion that he made. You know, hey, this is a very limited study. <laughs> we didn't find evidence, but not finding evidence doesn't disprove it. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, I mean, we have to, you know, we have to put these things into, into context. Um, you know, beyond that, I think that there are uh, – you know, when I when I look at this, um, I, you know, I think that you know we 
we need to we need to approach this from you know sort of thinking about you know the simple you know what's the simplest reasonable explanation. So I think that um, you know at this point, uh, as I look at this, I see you know absolutely no reason to go to greater lengths than saying that hey, this is some uh, potentially potentially unidentified animal of some sort. Um, and if you uh, if you look at the you know sightings uh, reports and the physical evidence that's been collected and all of this, uh, you know certainly the the most common hypothesis would be that this is some form of primate. Um, and then the question becomes, well, how closely related to human beings may this primate be, or how similar? Uh, and I think that's where, uh, really, that, that you know, this would be, you know, if, if this hypothesis is correct and there is such a thing as a Sasquatch out there, I think that's the that's the really interesting question uh, for scientists. You know, what where, where does it fit into our understanding of of, uh, of creatures? But we're a long way from. <laughs> Even knowing that we can ask that question, I think. Um, but uh, you know, certainly, there's uh, there's a, a wide range of possibilities there. Absolutely. Now, here's an interesting question, um, I, and I probably already know the answer to this, but I, uh, with what some of me and you talked about in the past, um, you know, you know, as far as this question goes, yeah. Well, let me ask the question first, and then we'll kind of go from there. Is do you believe that we need an actual specimen such as a body, or or can we, or is it possible to find the identity of a species just based off of a piece of evidence alone? Or you know, you hear everybody say we need something to compare. Yeah. You know, there's all these alleged pieces of evidence out there, and some of it's coming back as some type of primate, but not human, and and so, you know, they don't know what they have. So I guess in a sense, it would make sense. You actually need something to compare that to, to say, hey, okay, this is what we got here. And it's not on the, you know, it's not in the DNA records, you know, or we, at least we didn't have it or whatever, or you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Well, I know I, I get what you're saying. And I, you know, I think that the, you know, those, those are, those are interesting those are interesting questions, certainly. Um, I think that uh, I'm, I'm going to be like a, a, a typical professor, and I'm going to say, you know, it's, it's really complicated, the answer to that. <laughs> it's very complex. <laughs> um, uh, you know, what, what could po- possibly constitute conclusive evidence um, would, to a large extent, depend on um, – Depend on that question that you just asked of, uh, asked of, of you know, what might Sasquatch be? Um, so imagine this, for example. Uh, there are some theories out there that uh, Sasquatch is a type of human being. Okay. Right. Um, I've heard this theory that they're a uh, particular, you know, they're a tribe of Native Americans or thing along those lines. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, 
if if that were true, um, what would a DNA sample tell you? Well, a DNA sample that... might tell you that they're human. Well, okay, great. You've got a sample of human DNA. What have you proven? Human success. Well, we knew that. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. So you, yeah. you see what I'm saying? I mean, I'm, 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 I'm you know, I'm, I'm being a little lighthearted here. I mean, you might be able to, you know. Uh, oh yeah. You know, but uh, you know, so depending on what it is now. Okay, if it's something that is, if 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 the DNA is depending on what the DNA is. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's interesting because I think a lot of, uh, a lot of researchers have asked me, amateur investigators have asked me, you know, Hey, I've sent these things off to lab and I get to talk to it. Uh, one, uh, one investigator that I've, I've coordinated with a kid and, and he's, uh, he's taken this, he's taken part of the same sample and sent one of it to one lab and one of it to another lab and gotten, very different results. <laughs> oh wow! Like not even you know, like one said it was wolf and one said it was human or something like that. Uh, what? And you know, and so he says, well, well, how can this be? And I, you know, I mean, I think that a lot of it comes down to um, a lot of it comes down to what are the what are the labs looking for? What are they comparing to? Uh, how how uh, robust of a DNA sample is this? What's the quality of the lab, quite frankly? Um, some well, of these labs, I'm not <laughs> real sure if they really Cause um, what, do the work. I know know some about... of these for higher labs, I'm not sure if they do the work the way that you would want them to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some of these labs, which, you know, I don't know how advanced some of them actually are. The reason I say that is because you got some that are very highly advanced where if there's contamination involved in the DNA, some of them may not mm-hmm. be equipped to eliminate or, you know, or dispose of that uh, contamination oh, to, to pull out or, you know, the proper sequence to go further, to go in further into the you know, sample. Uh, for example, yeah. um, Dr. Todd Disseltel, uh, you know, out of his lab, they're very advanced. They're one of the top advanced, you know, labs in, you know, in, in the country, you know, and, so they have, you know, him, and I do believe uh, um, Dr. Sykes, as you had mentioned, I know he's uh, out of Oxford University. I know they're very highly advanced yeah. in their technology and, and what they do have, and they have that ability to abstract or to eliminate any kind of, you know, thing. So, you know, yeah, to me, when you said, when you had shared that, it sounds like something may, may have been contaminated. Oh, that's a possibility here. Anyway, that, what I feel like well. So, it, well, it is a possibility, and you know, it also depends on what the labs are seeking to to, to reference. Um, there are, you know, there are certainly labs that if they are they're given they're given a sample and told it came from a certain region, they're only going to uh, they're only going to compare it with species that uh, they know of that region. So you may not, you know, I mean. <laughs> There are um, the only known primate in North America are human beings, so yeah. <laughs> they're not necessarily going to look, uh, you know, much further than that. Right. Um, I know Zach is sitting back and listening, and 
normally he has some questions. Uh, I wanted to give him the opportunity before I continue on. Zach, do you have anything you want to ask or share with Darby? Nope. Him and me pretty much covered all of it on Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's got to be something there. (laughs) So, well, okay then. Um, Darby, with your course and everything, everything that you got going on, um, you know, with your you know the course that you're stu- you're, you're teaching in at the university, um, you know, as far as anything, uh, where do you see this going in the future? As far as uh, as far as uh, apart, uh, separated from you know from the university, do you see anything where you can? Uh, I mean, do you plan on continuing to pursue to look into this uh, subject uh, further as part of yeah, any well, project or anything? My- yeah, well, the the, uh, the projects that I have going around this, uh, you know, in addition to the course, um, as as you know, Daniel, I'm 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 uh, doing my best to at least selectively um, get out there and get out in the field uh, right. with amateur investigators who are seeking to um, uh, seeking to do research in a scientific way or collect evidence in such a way that they would like to. Uh, have it available for the scrutiny of the scientific community. Um, and as you know, I went out in the field with you a month or so ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and I that think that hike. one of the things, I'm sorry? I was going to say that was a good hike, too. <laughs> yeah, that was a great hike. Um, it was uh, It was an interesting day, and and uh, we we didn't end up dragging a, a Sasquatch out of the woods, um, but it was it was it was a good eye. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, but I would I, I joke about that, but you know my 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 you know it, it's 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 funny. I, um, <laughs> uh, I I'll say you know I I I uh, I research Sasquatch research. Um, I have you know. Uh, Cliff Barkman of Finding Bigfoot fame, who, by the way, is a, a, a very knowledgeable and, 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 and smart guy when it comes to the science of these things. Um, he was, uh, he was uh, uh, gracious enough to, uh, to, to guest in my class by, by teleconferences last semester. And students absolutely loved him and his approach and was very, very, very thoughtful. Um, I said to I, I said to Cliff before I said, "Look, I research Sasquatch research," and he says, "Well, that's that's kind of meta, right?" I said, "Yeah, but I never never met a Sasquatch." <laughs> <laughs> so um, my interest, though, is in you know looking at this as an opportunity to sort of bring uh, the scientific community together with uh, the citizen science community. Um, and that's right. something I'll be talking more about at the conference next week. Um, but I, you know, I'd, I'd really like to, uh, I'd really like to have more of a dialogue instead of just this, this, this lack of anything between these two communities. Hardly. I mean, as you said, there are some, uh, there are some few um, uh, professional scientists who, who take this very seriously. 
um, and, and do this as a part of, of what they do. Um, this, to my mind, this is, this is one of those things that it would be nice if this were an open question. It would be nice if there could be more of a dialogue. I think that it would be very useful for the amateur investigators to be able to really understand more about um, the science and the, and the scientific approach uh, right. to things. And, 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 you know, and I think it would be really useful. I think it's really useful for the scientists um, to be able to um, better understand, you know, the world we live in. I mean, it's, it's really interesting to me that so many of these uh, folks who uh, are investigating these phenomena are out. You know, I mean, they're out in the woods more than most professional scientists. Uh, there, you know, there, uh, there should be, there could be, a, you know, a much, much stronger relationship there. And there might be ways as well that um, other, um, other uh, scientific inquiry could be going on alongside uh, this investigation into the Sasquatch hypothesis. Uh, for example, one of the things that I've, I've talked with a, a wildlife biologist colleague about is, you know, I think, you know, there, there are so many Sasquatch investigators who are out in the woods at night, out in the middle of nowhere at night. Well, that's that's not something where, that's not a place where humans spend a lot of time. Um, right. Uh, they're recording, uh, or they, you know, listening for sounds, that sort of thing. Well, how much do we not know about just the bioacoustic environment of the woods at night? Right. Awful. Good point. Um, yeah. Whether whether one records a, an alleged Sasquatch sound or not, uh, there's a, a wonderful opportunity there uh, to work together. Yeah. So yeah, so the, and I've got you know this this is one of the things that that's been interesting. I'm I'm kind of slowly kind of building these relationships with uh, uh, some select colleagues to uh, to think about you know how would we potentially look at evidence or how would we use this alleged evidence um, it, from a teaching standpoint as well. So right. I have one colleague who is a forensic anthropologist and really interested in these things and really fascinated by uh, this uh, set of casts that actually John Bindernagel has uh, gifted to me uh, for, for teaching. Um, and uh, I've got another colleague who um, really is not sold at all on the idea of, you know, the existence of Sasquatch. She thinks it's probably a crazy idea, not impossible. Uh, she's an analytic chemist. But she's really interested because she's training her students uh, how to identify uh, samples of various things. So like hair, for example. You know, how do you identify this? Um, not at a DNA level, but, you know, through morphological analysis using you know, or using all these different uh, chemical tools. And... Um, you know, she's very open to the idea of, well, hey, if we can have the students looking at, you know, quote unquote, real samples, things that are truly unknown, with the idea that they might find something really interesting there, um, that's 
so much more interesting than just giving them a piece of hair that you know what it is and you know, right. having them go through this just for just for the learning purposes. Why not have them doing some something that could potentially be interesting uh, and right. serve uh, serve this type of research? Absolutely. Now, uh, I, I had another question for you here, and I don't know if this is something you want to if this is something you plan on covering next weekend or not. But um, to you know, as far as collecting evidence, for, uh, you know, if there's the one thing I know you had mentioned in the past uh, in one of our discussions is that you believe there should be a a protocol involved when collecting evidence. I was wondering if you'd like to you maybe touch base on that and share that for you know. Especially the you know uh, the novels or the you know as you said the uh, man uh, you know anyone that's out there claiming to find this evidence regardless if it's a track or you know a hair sample or anything um, if you kind of if you like to touch base on that you know I think that would be a good thing to cover and for anyone that because uh, this will be having a lot more views later <laughs> so yeah yeah. Uh, well, you know, I think, you know, and and and, and I'm not going to claim to be uh, an expert on that, um, but, you know, certainly the, a, a protocol is basically uh, a structured way of, of, of collecting evidence uh, such that it can actually be uh, subjected to scientific scrutiny um, within particular fields. Um, and so... It, it, like you mentioned, <clears throat> you mentioned a few minutes ago about uh, the possibility in a DNA study of human contamination. Um, you know, the, a protocol for collecting evidence that's going to be examined in that way um, would certainly include not touching it, <laughs> person not touching it, uh, because of that that potential for for contamination. Because we're you know, we, we humans are, uh, well, we're sloughing off skin cells all the time. Uh, so, um, you know, and, and it, you know, this is, this, but this is one of the, um, this is one of the difficult uh, questions, I think, when you're dealing with a real world issue, in particular when you're dealing with a, an, an unknown like this. Uh, it's something I have my students think about in the course and something that I'm, you know, still uh, struggling to, 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 to figure out um, is to think about these protocols in ways that um, would not just satisfy one particular way of, of one particular way of inquiring about the evidence, uh, but so that the evidence could potentially be used by those in different scientific disciplines. Um, and I think that's key because, like I mentioned, working with a chemist. Well, I, I, a chemist uses a different approach to uh, studying evidence than um, um, I pick something. You know, <laughs> pick something out of wildlife biology. There are even different kinds of chemists. I mean, that's, this is the thing. Um, they're uh, so. Uh, there's there are a lot of different uh, you know if you sort of think about it as you know the the different um, there's a lot of different perspectives you can take on any any issue and each scientific discipline has its own 
way of, of looking. And this is why uh, well, this is why a lot of the the, the work that I do um, in in terms of bringing research teams together is so important because you need people with these different perspectives, and they especially need to be able to think about okay, what are the what are the gaps? What are the um, uh, where are the cracks in between my discipline and your discipline? Right. What do we What do we not see? Because you know, well, okay, you've got one person who's looking at this, say, you know, who's looking at the DNA. You've got somebody who's looking at, um, you know, some yeah, whatever the other aspect is. I mean, it's just it's. Uh, I don't know. The, the late hours starting to get to me a little bit here, but you know, um, the uh, you know you got you, you kind of got to think about okay if 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 uh, if 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 this this is evidence that we don't know like for example okay, here's a great example um, we're looking at footprint evidence okay and right. you know if folks are casting things well um, there is a difference in the way that. Um, there's a difference in the way that a uh, forensic anthropologist, for example, will look at this type of evidence and say a paleoanthropologist. There's a difference between the way a wildlife biologist approaches a problem versus a primatologist. And I mean, I think this is, this, this starts to get at also explaining why, um, why this is such a thorny area of study because it's, you know, we don't really know, you know, we don't really know what it is that we're studying. So we sort of have to take these different approaches and kind of see what is uh, perhaps the most fruitful in examining the, the evidence that we have. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's really interesting because you can look at, uh, you can look at something fast, for example, and you can kind of see, you know, well, is the motility of the foot? What's you know, how is the interaction between that foot and the substrate? Are there things that we can infer about the underlying um, uh, bone structure or or what have you of of, of this creature? But we've got an unknown, <laughs> and and you know, and we we have to kind of you know look at it. You know, an anatomist who's who's works with human feet is going to look at it in a slightly different way than. You know, a paleoanthropologist who's used to looking at, you know, maybe you know, um, fossilized prints of, of early hominids versus, uh, you know, a primatologist who's working with, you know, living primates. So, you know, and we don't, again, we don't know exactly what we're dealing with. So we, we really have to try to, you know, try to make this evidence, you know, try to, try to um, make this evidence available for 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 all possible angles. Right. Yeah, and you were talking about, you know, as far as, you know, when we find a piece of evidence, especially if it's very compelling, you know, when we observe it, like, hey, we found some tracks. Man, these are awesome looking tracks. You know, and, and I guess it goes, you know, especially to, you know, all of us, uh, you know, amateur researchers who are out there, you know, we're not science uh, science based, although some of us want to take it, you know, to a scientific, you know, you know, extent, but when you know, one thing I could personally relate, I know when I find things out there, you know, I do like for you know, not just a track, but it could be anything if I feel it's Bigfoot related, you know, and I do try to rule mm-hmm. things out, you know, that might be a small part of science right there. But 
as far as finding a track, you know, you know, I, I of all people could easily say science is easily neglected. You know, it's not, you know, it's one thing, it's probably the last thing that's on our mind when we're observing something like that out in the field. Um, you know, we're, 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 you know, uh, when we find a track that's humanoid and it's a perfect looking track, I mean, we're already convinced to ourselves that, you know, this is mm-hmm. Bigfoot, you know? So, you know, so, you know, again, to me, you know, you know, I guess, you know, science is neglected. There, There is other ways that we should be looking at that and, and, and other, you know, considerations that we should have for what we're observing. Um, I know one of them that you mentioned to me, which would be perfect, you know, you know, Hey, if, if there's more than one, we we should take photos. We should collect soil, right. you know, and all these little things. Right. And well, those are the things that we don't think about. You know, we're just we're just yeah caught up in that moment of our, our observation. You know, in our findings. You know. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can easily I think, understand you know, like, how that one is. One of the things. Yeah, and like I say, I'm I, I'm not you know I I you know I'm I'm not I'm not the the, the world expert on this, um, but. You know, there, you know, there are, I mean, yeah, there are certainly, um, you know, I think that if, if, if someone is serious about uh, collecting this type of evidence, and I, I hope that a lot of people listening to this are, because we, we need more of it, um, then, you know, certainly being prepared uh, to cast tracks is very important. Um, I think that um, practicing, Doing that is very right. important. Um, uh, I, you know, there are certain, there are little things that, like for example, probably the biggest thing that um, a lot of folks just wouldn't naturally think of is that if you, if you find uh, multiple tracks, uh, you know, and are not able, you know, ideally you want to cast them all. Um, if you found a trail of tracks and could only cast two, uh, what you'd want to do is you'd want to, um, you'd want to cast the best two of the same foot. So two oh. right feet or two left feet. Um, uh, I, if I recall correctly, I think, uh, um, uh, when the, Patterson Gimlin film was shot. I think that Bob Gimlin went back and cast a right and a left because you know that's what you think of. You think, oh, we want to we want to get one of these. Um, but actually, uh, for scientists investigating investigating this, it's much more useful to have two of the same foot because mm. the the track is not a it's not an impression of the foot per se. It is an impression of the the foot's movement and interaction with the substrate, the soil, um, in that particular step. Mm. And so if you think about and you can do this with your own foot right now, just think about how you take a step. Now, human beings, most of us, we, we push down really hard with the heel at the start of the the step, we kind of roll our foot and push off with the toes. With the ball, um, yeah. Most of us, yeah, with the ball. Not all humans walk like that. <laughs> right. Um, and so 
And if you think about, you know, the, the type of soil that you're stepping in, you know, sometimes even in two consecutive tracks with the same foot, your, your, your track might look very different, especially if you think yeah. bare feet rather than shoes, <laughs> your track so, might look very different depending on, depending on that substrate, yeah. depending on where you turning at that point, were you going uphill? Were you going downhill? Was there any kind of grade whatsoever? Uh, were you running? Were you walking? Um, and these things, this, that sort of, that sort of evidence is much more compelling and much more informative uh, to a scientist who's looking at those tracks because then they can, they can see something about perhaps um, how whatever left this track is walking. What are the mechanics of that step? Um, you see what I'm saying? Oh, uh, yeah. And so you can actually, you know, that, that those two consecutive prints have so much more information than having one of each. Uh, the other thing is, is that quite frankly, um, it is not that difficult. Um, as my students found with their assignment this last semester, it is really not that difficult to uh, come up with a, a possible hoaxed print. Uh, it is a lot more difficult of a proposition to uh, to hoax an alleged Sasquatch print convincingly um, in that um, two consecutive prints of the same foot. Uh, <laughs> so uh, one print, uh, th there's there's probably no way um, that one print could be vetted as 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 authentic um, hello hello <laughs> yeah no, oh, no, that, that's period <laughs> yeah okay. no, i mean if you have one print i mean there's probably there's really there's really no way to 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 vet that that one print is authentic as opposed to hoax and you know and that's the other unfortunate thing about this area is that um we do know that people hoax these things. Right. Um, we do oh, know yeah. that that happens. Um, and it presents a real challenge, I think, uh, to anybody who wants to look at this scientifically because, you know, we don't really – we don't have that problem in a lot of, <laughs> a lot of other fields. Um, we don't – you know, for example, scientists rely very heavily on citizen scientists who are bird watchers who do bird counts and report the bird songs that they hear and what species they see in particular areas. Um, maybe somebody does it, but we don't have widespread evidence that people are saying, oh, I saw, a, uh, uh, I saw this type of bird in this place where it totally shouldn't be. Um, you know, we don't, we don't think that people are making that up. <laughs> uh, yeah. But unfortunately, when it comes to the you know, when it comes to uh, prints and things like that, we, you know, we, we do know that some of them are hoaxed. Um, we don't know that all of them are hoaxed, um, but we certainly do know that, that, that some of them are. Yeah. Um, yeah, we know that Bigfoot hoaxing dates back from the, the 1950s. <laughs> um, 
what's his name? Ray Wallace. Ray Wallace was uh, known as a Bigfoot hoaxer. He got, um, he had, uh, what is it, wooden feet or something like that? Um, well, yeah. yeah, the Ray Wallace story is actually. <laughs> it, it is interesting. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a long and, and very interesting story, and I don't, I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know uh, a whole lot about what you can can conclude about about it. I think a lot of people use the, you know, the the fact that Ray Wallace had had these feet as you know an argument that you know it's even been the argument's even been made that he hoaxed every instance of of finding tracks throughout the Pacific Northwest for thirty years, uh, <laughs> which. Um, yeah, you know, but there's 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 a lot of reason to you know disbelieve uh, that. Not the least of which would be it would be kind of crazy to have one person doing that, and the other is that uh, the fake feet that, that his family uh, later produced, um, none of them actually matched the uh, the prints that he supposedly made with them. So I I don't know what to make of all that. Hmm. Um, yeah, I was actually just looking something else up here. Um, relating to, uh, yeah, I was just looking up, uh, some Bigfoot track ho- uh, hoaxes. Uh, there's one actually, Cliff Brackman actually had inves- investigated. Uh, the, back the in London Trackway? That's it. The London, London Trackway. The London Trackway? Yeah. 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 And Eugene yeah, Oregon. That, that was yeah. interesting. Uh, that was interesting because that was a uh, that was that was uh, yeah <laughs> that was a very uh, extensive track. The the story, the backstory around that sounded a little fishy to me uh, when I first heard it. And uh, um, yeah, uh, you know, I think you know, um, I think Cliff was, was 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 somewhat skeptical of those tracks from the get go because um, uh, he's he certainly. He certainly looked at a lot of wet tracks, maybe more than anybody. Um, uh, yeah, between he and Jeff Meldrum and John Pendleton, I mean, they've uh, they've, they've probably seen uh, um, uh, oh, definitely more than many more than most most researchers. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you know that that's the thing is that um, you know that was. That was a more um, that was a smarter and more elaborate hoax than most uh, that have been uncovered. Um, but even that one was not. There were there are a number of signs in those in those prints that you know really kind of are are, are problematic. Um, yeah. But yeah. But again, I mean. You know, without you know, unless you unless you have something making making tracks in captivity that you can watch how it walks and <laughs> look at the tracks and see what they're supposed to look like. Well, um, we're still uh, we're still dealing with an unknown. Yeah, it's uh, I tell you what, Bigfoot. I love you know ever since I've gotten into Bigfoot, you know, it's like I said, you know, it's been a major passion for me and. You know, uh, I love I love doing it, and uh, I ain't gonna lie, it's <laughs> it's 
here and there, it's been a headache with a few things, you know. I mean, you know, you run into obstacles dealing with, you know, different people and, you know, and the more you get involved with it, you know, as I'm learning, you you deal more and more with people, you know, especially if you're taking in, you know, reports and everything. So, um, uh, I'm sure, that's I'm thing. sure. I mean, I. No, yeah, ahead. that's another thing that's been challenging, you know, as far as trying to keep up with the reports. I mean, I haven't, I mean, I'll, I've heard of a few here and there, but I haven't tried to take any on recently. It's, you know, I've, well, there was one that was fairly recent, but um, after making contact back with a person, and, and, hey, I, they're not far from me. I wanted permission to go up there to go investigate, but, but you know, I never heard back. So I was like, I'm not going to push it either, you know. I mean, I've I've had my share of, reports from around the Shenandoah Valley, you know, and, and some in other counties, but that, you know, that are not far from here, you know, um, but, you know, I, I take notes of these things and I, I kind of make, you know, I jot them down, even though I don't investigate all of them, I, I do take notes where they come from and, you know, and it, it's interesting and, um, you know, some are east of the Blue Ridge Mountains, and some are right. A, a lot of them are in the western part, towards the Alleghenies, and the western parts of the valley here. And uh, some are right here, actually in the valley, which is pretty cool, you know. But, um, but you know, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, and it's, 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 it is interesting, and uh, it's interesting. I mean, there, there have been uh, there have been reports of. Uh, alleged Bigfoot sightings in every state of the Union except for Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, and there <laughs> have been the li- reports that uh, I'm sorry. Hawaii's got the little foot. The little the little <laughs> foot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, uh, but you know, I mean, in some of these, you know, and it, and it's interesting. I mean, I think a lot of the um, if you, you know, there's, uh, I can't remember who it was, it was a PhD student a few years ago took just, uh, the BFRO data and put it on a map. Um, and the map, you know, in terms of the real hot spots of where most sightings are reported, um, uh, you know, it, it, it seems to, um, it seems to correlate with, you know, what you might expect of a, you know, a real creature and sort of, you might expect, uh, might expect more sightings in places that uh, one seems to have the type of habitat that could support, uh, you know, a large creature uh, such as, you know, alleged Sasquatch, uh, and has at least enough human traffic that, you know, of course you're not going to have a sighting if people aren't, if a person's not there. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, but there are always a few strange ones. Um and you know, and and I think that I mean, for being frank, there are a few strange people. <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, I've uh, you know, I've had uh, uh, I've had uh, I've had folks say, oh, you know, let me let me show you the uh, uh, let me I, I I got a video of a Sasquatch and here it is, it's materializing in my living room in front of the television. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a true story, <laughs> um, you know. And uh, so, you know, you, you just gotta kind of, you know, go go with the flow a little bit. But you know, that that's, um, you know, I, I I will say that I've I've really, 
uh, I really enjoyed um, getting to know some of the uh, some of the amateur investigators, going out in the field, uh, getting a chance. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, it's it's it, it's great to have a you know a great excuse to get out in the woods just anyway. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Um, but also, you know, I think that there's a lot of folks out there who are doing really good work, who are really down to earth, who are trying to be very thoughtful about it. Um, and, you know, and that's, that's not the way, you know, that's not the way that I yeah. Um And I think that was something, I mean, it was even, it was an amazing to my students to see the difference between uh, sort of the, the reality television version of Cliff Barkman and Cliff Barkman. Yeah. Uh, and they were really impressed with him and they, they should have been. I mean, he is, you know, he's very thoughtful. He's very, uh, very scientific. He's very knowledgeable. Uh, and, and I'll that, tell you, you know, and that, that, that comes to, you know, it's very different, you know, meeting him and talking with him. And I've spent a lot of time talking with him. Uh, it doesn't come out. I mean, you know, I'm not, you know, I think finding Bigfoot, uh, you know, it, it's it's a different, you know, it's it's different than what you see on television. And right, he's he, he's much more impressive as a as a as a uh, researcher, you know, in real life. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you what. From what I know about him, I mean, before I ever met him, um. You know, I was in communication through, uh, you know, email, and you know, we were doing emails back and forth, and you know, it was discussing. It was actually regarding the event and everything, but we we got into talking about a few other things here and there. Um, but you know, when I had the chance, when I finally got to meet him in Ohio the year before, um, you know, he's not your average celebrity because you know he's not like a he's not he's not stuck up. He's very outgoing. Um, and I'll tell you one thing I was impressed. I was like, I was kind of shocked because after meeting him and then even have, you know, the first time we, when we first got there, he was, uh, as soon as he walked into the lodge, he was actually right there by the gift shop, you know? So we went up there, you got to briefly introduce ourselves and shake his hand, had pictures taken with him. But the next day, or actually maybe it was later that evening, but, or the next day I, I actually got to speak with him again. They, they actually had the meet and greet. You know, everybody had a chance to meet all the speakers. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how long. I was in a good long conversation with Cliff. And, you know, and we we had a good talk about a few different things. Um, and then from there on out, out of all those people there, you know, everybody he meets, everybody he knows – you know, I could be walking by and not see him. He'll he'll call my name. He's he did it a couple different times. He's like, "Hey, Daniel. Hey, how you doing?" I said, "Hey, Cliff." I was like, I was kind of like yeah. overwhelmed. I was like, "Dude, remembers me." I mean, like he knows me by face and person. I was like, "That's awesome." Yeah. I mean, he's like, well, he's a nice like, hey, guy. Dude. He's genuine. Like I say, he's he's thoughtful. He's he's knowledgeable. He's gen. I mean, he's just genuinely interested in this subject as well. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Is, you know, he's doing he is doing his best. You know, to really investigate this well, and um, so yeah, I, you know, there, there's a lot of great. I mean, you know, it just I'm so I'm so thankful um, that I got to know John Bender Nozzle so well. Yeah. Um, he, oh goodness, <laughs> I just cannot say enough 
uh, nice about him. And, and, uh, you know, he, uh, I mean, he just, uh, tireless in his efforts. And, yeah. Uh, it would have been, it would have been awesome. A to wonderful, him. wonderful human being. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but you know, it's, it, it's interesting. There's, uh, there's a lot of just, there's a lot of really just, uh, wonderful folks and I think folks that share I mean one of the things that's interesting to me as well um, is I think you know again there's this sort of this image of you know this image and, and to some extent I mean I think sometimes it's even perpetuated by the producers of like Finding Bigfoot or some of these shows where you know you have eyewitnesses and you know they're the, the ways that they're portrayed uh, the ways that you know even the shots are set up you know for the for the camera um, make these look like oh, these these hick backwoods redneck folks, and you know whatever it may be, and you know, and it really does a real disservice, I think, to um, both to you know, I think one of the this is one of the big things I think is that there's this huge um, there's this huge divide I think right now in understanding uh, between particularly our our urban communities and our rural communities. That's something that we're just really really working out in this country and I think it's working out the national scene and you know in terms of economics and and politics and you name it and I don't want to get into all that but you know one of the things that I think is really um is really interesting that I find that with a lot of the folks who are really interested in the subject you know this this is an area where it kind of uh gets people together across the lines where they normally divide themselves and right. I think that is really kind of cool um, that, uh, you know, when folks find a common interest in investigating this phenomena, you know, some of them are far right, some of them are far left, some of them don't care, you know, some of them are white, some of them are black, some of them are, you know, you know men. Like a reddish brown. I mean, you know, there's this, I mean, oh, yeah. or whatever, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, and I mean, I think that, you know, and, and uh, you know, and, and not to say that it's a, you know, not to say that it's this complete, you know, melting pot or mixed salad or whatever metaphor you want to use. But I do think that this becomes a place where, you know, where people, you know, can, you know, do, do genuinely connect. And I think I'd like to see that. I think there's a real opportunity for that to be something that happens between you know, the, again, the citizen science community and the, and the scientific community. I think that um, it would be uh, it would be really nice if those you know if those communities could at least you know, at least at least understand, at least get to know each other as, as people on some some other level than the ways that we uh, seem to be dividing ourselves these days. <laughs> hey, hey, Darby, you want to hold on a second? We do. Uh, we actually have a. Uh, we have somebody that's just called in. Uh, I thought I'd check them okay. out. Right. Uh, area code three zero four. You're live on Squash Show Radio. Do you have a question for the guest, or are you just listening? Oh yeah, I have a question. This yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, if uh, you were going yeah. to start um, trying to research Bigfoot, what kind of things do you think you would want to bring to start with? Like uh, in terms of like equipment out to the field or that sort right. of thing. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Great question. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, that, and probably several different possibilities, but I mean, I think that just off the top of my head, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've talked about the importance of, uh, you know, fasting prints. I think I definitely, you know, practice doing that and, and, and bring some, bring, bring something to, to cast prints if you, uh, if you're fortunate enough to find them. Um, definitely a camera. <laughs> yeah, most uh, definitely. I, uh, you know, <laughs> definitely a camera. Um, you know, I think depending on the, you know, I mean, so much is going to depend on, you know, when you're going out, you know, when you're going out, what you're, you know, really what you're looking for. Um, you definitely want to bring things like uh, um, just just a, uh, um, a a tape measure or something along those lines because you know if you're going to take you know if you're going to take pictures of of prints or what have you uh, you want to you need to have that um, that reference uh, for size for measurement. Um, Were you, you know, just, uh, doing one of each foot of like both right foot? Would you want to go and yeah. measure the distance between the stride as well? Yes, yes, yes. And you'd want to you'd want to record as much of that information as you possibly could. Um, you'd want to uh, you'd want to you know, like I say, you want to take pictures. You want to take pictures with objects of scale. Uh, you'd want to measure um, stride, and I think you need to. Um, you know, and, and actually, different fields measure stride in slightly different ways. But I think as long as you know, as long as you have the length of the print and the length between the prints, um, yeah. you'll be able to figure out what they needed to know uh, one way or the other. Um, you'd probably you'd want to ideally um, be able to um, make observations, record observations. That, you know, if you found prints, you'd want to record observations about like. If, if there were some way that you could at least estimate the grade, you know, is this walking uphill? Is this walking downhill? Is this a flat surface? Uh, something about the, the soil. I think there's possibility in the future of really thinking about, you know, collecting uh, soil samples. I mean, I think in the ideal world, if I were to find, uh, if I were to find prints, I'd want to record everything about them and take the, you know, take the pictures, cast them and all that. And then, you know, without having touched them, uh, probably collect the soil itself. <laughs> I think that's something that typically researchers have not done. Um, but uh, there is the possibility of finding, for example, trace genetic material in there or, you know, other types of information that could potentially be uh, be, uh, be evident, uh, uh, being extant. Uh, within the track, um, you know, I mean, okay. if you're going and with out the, in the daytime, this one. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Whenever um, you're doing genetic material and stuff, I mean, like on forensic shows, they usually put everything in paper instead of plastic. Yeah, yes, they do, exactly. and that that is that is very important. Yeah, yeah. Um, the plastic. Well, there are a lot of, a lot of reasons. Uh, the plastic inter- it can interact with the material. Uh, the plastic, you know, there's there's if you're in a, depending on the environment you're in, the plastic can cause um, condensation within, condensation, within the yep. bag. It can be a problem. Uh, yeah, you do you you do want to 
you do want to put it in paper, yeah. Yeah, cause it could possibly cause contamination with the bacteria that could, that may develop with the through the uh, condensation, if if I'm not mistaken. So. Yeah, and ideally, you'd probably you'd you'd want to put it in in an acid-free uh, paper or cardboard. Uh, which you know, it's sort of an archival type of uh, product, uh, which yeah. is a little bit more expensive, a little harder to find, but but you know, would be ideal. Um, again, we're talking about an ideal. Now, I mean, if the sky's the limit, uh, you know, I mean, the the, the, the most wonderful thing would be to, uh, uh, rather than casting, would be to uh, uh, bring a uh, thirty thousand uh, dollar portable. 3D scanner out there and scan the print. Um, I mean, everybody's got one of those in the room. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Um, well, you know, this is this is the uh, this is the advantage of, of of being with the university is that you know I'm about to have access to one of those. Um, <laughs> You're bringing uh, it up here to Virginia, I, then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a it's a shared infrastructure. So I what what, what I'd have to do is, uh, is 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 bring it up there right away once the evidence has been found. <laughs> but yeah, I'd love I'd love to do that. I mean, I'd actually, you know, and I think that that's going to be, you know, like I say, that's 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 the way that that works now. Uh, uh, but those you know those those, those types of devices are going to continue to come down in cost. I mean. You know, I mean, look at the way everybody carries a camera with them now. Uh, cameras yeah. used to be a lot more expensive than they are now. Um, you know, we're gonna at some point we're gonna have 3D scanners on our on our phones. I don't know why we still call them phones, considering all the video. Um, you know, I think you know, you know, if you're going out at night, you of course want a good audio uh, recorder. Um, I think especially useful if you can have a good parabolic dish. Um, you know, if you're trying to um, single out particular sounds, uh, you know, it really, you know, I mean, I, I, I have, uh, I have gone out with researchers and brought out, you know, the, you know, the, the FLIR cameras, the infrared cameras, and and such, and uh, they can be very useful, but uh, to really get the benefit, the true, the full benefit of them, it's really good to be trained. Uh, to really, you know, to really know how to do that, I've got a, you know, I've got an engineering uh, professor that I work with who um, is uh, just fascinated with the, with this course, and uh, you know, he's uh, uh, he he works with drones. And he said, oh, you know, I, I, you know, if you if you uh, find a researcher who's got a use case for drones, you know, I'll set you up. You know, we'll get a student <laughs> out there who. You know, an expert with this stuff, and you know, I'm like, well, because I I happen to mention to him that you know, well, some researchers are starting to try doing some of this work with drones. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Well. Um, uh, Still good. You know, he, the uh, downfall of the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the downfall of the you know, as we we were discussing the other day on the phone, we were talking. I know me and you were talking about drones. Is uh, for everybody that gets into using uh, drones. Uh, become familiar with the laws because there is federal laws with there is actually oh, yeah. restrictions on fly zones even with a, a drone you could buy in your local stores. <laughs> the, yes, crazy. yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, and you know that's 
yeah, and that's uh, that that makes some of it difficult. But you know, honestly, it's it's a little. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's a, yeah. it's a, I, maybe it's just me, but it's a little bit difficult for me to imagine a whole lot of usefulness to a drone for this type of um, surveillance, except in very, you know, real extreme cases. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I, I, I got If you ever get that. access to one and bring it up here. Yeah, if you ever bring one, I got a couple locations where I think it would be possibly very beneficial. If there's anything in the area, there's a couple open areas uh, I think it would do really well in. Um, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. there's well, some areas you know, like when say, you came I mean, up here. I, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm interested in not just uh, borrowing a drone, but borrowing one of these uh, expert students, uh, expert student pilots. <laughs> well, they, yeah, there you um, go. Yeah, because those things are yeah, tricky. Yeah, I've, I've flown one of those big drones before, and I didn't do too badly, but uh, you know, uh, it, it, you got to you got to log a lot of time to really. Be <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> take some time getting used to them. I got two of them, <laughs> and I still haven't figured them out yet. So, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think you know it's also it's it's worth noting too. I think that you know we talk a lot about forensics work, and I think a lot of folks um, think about you know obviously, I mean. DNA is one of those things that, I mean, at least at this point in, in, in this cultural moment, DNA has become this sort of almost magical, like, oh, you know? um, and, uh, you know, I think so that one of the things, and I think why a lot of folks are disappointed with the results they get back on DNA studies and things like that is I think sometimes people are jumping to, um, jumping to like a, a DNA study uh, when, you know, they could, they could tell a lot about, say, a hair sample or something through, you know, just even morphological analysis or, you know, looking at it under, you know, a very good microscope. Uh, you know, a lot of the, I think a lot of the, the disappointment people have with DNA samples could be ruled out because it would already be obvious that this is a known creature or, 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 or something like that. Um, the other thing is, is that, um, I think that the uh, I know that the uh, the CSI type shows on television have really done us a disservice in terms of really understanding the science that's involved. Um, they do things in you know 30 minutes or an hour on television that you know take months and months and months in real life if they are even possible. Um, and I think that's the thing that. Um, that's the thing that is really important to understand is that in the real world, when they're, you know, working with, you know, DNA and forensic investigation in real life cases, um, most of the time they're dealing with situations where, you know, they, they know who probably did it. Um, <laughs> uh, they have a very, uh, uh, they have a, a very, short list of, of subjects that they're comparing things to um, and they're, you know, looking for matches and, and you know, the, in, in, a, in an environment where there's, uh, you know, a small number of, of wild cards, you know, that, that works a lot better than, you know, in a field like this where, you know, we can not even, uh, we're not even exactly sure uh, if or what we're looking for. <laughs> yeah. But I have a friend that has 
Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend that had seen um, Sasquatch before close to where his property was. And I know uh-huh. he would never go out after dark to go check it out, but I was going to see if I could talk him into going and taking me to where he had seen them before in the daytime so that way I could see if I could find some footprints. I mean, they would have been oh, a yeah. footprints, but. Absolutely. Daytime investigations are, are, you know, awesome. Yeah, most definitely. Um, Just curious, is is this Rose? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought I recognized the voice and the number. The number I uh, looked it up, I saw, oh, okay, it's West Virginia. And then your voice sounded familiar. I said, this has got to be Rose. (laughs) Yep, that's Okay. Well, uh, Darby, for your information, you'll go. Uh, you'll get to meet Rose next weekend. She uh, she is attending oh, the event. Fantastic. So yeah, <laughs> Miss Rose Dickens. <laughs> so Rose, who, uh, who you got coming with you again? Um, so far I have one of my sisters, and I've almost got the other one talked into it. So ah. it'll be three of us. And my um my fourth sister, I was going to take. She said that she don't think she can get from work. So I'm I'm trying to see if she might be able to. Go anyways, but um, well, I we'll tell see. you what, I, what's the possibility of getting uh, your friend who actually has uh, had a sighting? Have you talked to him I about it? I will have to check with him. I will have to check. Tell with him, him. Don't be scared. Tell him that's what you know. That's what we're here for. You know, we're here to bring everybody, uh, people of all walks of life. You know, and you know all the good yeah, stuff. Yeah, so. um, <laughs> just I, I don't know about the financial part of it for him if if he could swing it or not. That's the hmm. only thing. I mean, he could ride with me, but he can't stay in the room with me. <laughs> so that would be the only problem. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, we got a couple questions on the live chat uh, real quick. Um, one um, is ask, uh, wants me to ask you, uh, Darby, if you know if there's any uh, a blood sample. Has a blood sample ever been taken from this creature that you know of? Uh well, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> the uh, I, I don't mean it too facetiously, but I mean, no, no, no sample's been taken from this creature that has been, you know, uh, completely verified. Uh, well, yeah, that's that's a safe way. Uh, you no, know, I think there have <laughs> there, there have been some there have been some interesting uh, samples. I think that the um, there was actually a. Uh, it was actually an episode of Monster Quest uh, where they they talked about uh, analysis of a blood sample that was came from uh, uh, a board of nails outside a cabin uh, a lake in Canada. Oh, the Canada. Uh, okay, I thought it was Alaska. No, yeah. in Canada. It was in Canada. Um, somebody somebody on the live chat probably even knows <laughs> what I'm talking about. But so I know yeah. that they. Uh, they had a pretty good reason to think that they had a, a uh, um, at least a dried blood sample of uh, uh, from one of these. Uh, you know, this is the thing that is, is interesting too about you know hair samples and identification and DNA is that uh, you know it's really um, most of the hair samples, in fact, all the hair samples that I've ever heard of um, are. You know, just you know, hair that people found in proximity to, uh, you know, a sighting or hair that they found that they thought 
you know, was, you know, uh, perhaps a Sasquatch. Um, I cannot recall a single case of anyone uh, saying, claiming that they had claimed, you know, they had uh, uh, taken a sample from the Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah. Grabbed a handful or something. Um, and so, you know, it, uh, so, you know, I, I think that that is one of the things that is, you know, really important to understand is that when we're looking at, when we're looking at samples, I mean, when they're not collected directly, people are not taking, you know, I mean, they're not, it's not like I had my blood draw on the other day at my doctor's office, you know, you know nobody's doing that to obsess watch that I'm aware of. Um, so, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think there have been too many, I don't think I can't recall hearing too many reports of alleged blood samples. Some, um, and like I said, other than other than that one, I don't remember. I don't recall. I'm not, you know, like I said, I don't know all of the, you know, I don't know all of the alleged evidence like that. But I, um, and John didn't. John Bender not even. I don't recall him talking about this. In his, he has a wonderful chapter on physical evidence in that discovery of the Sasquatch book, and I don't remember him mentioning a single. Hmm. Of, of of alleged blood evidence, but that may just be my memory. Yeah. Uh, the next question uh, the gentleman has is: uh, Do you uh, want to know if you know anything about compression analysis? No. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. He's got another question. I know. I, I know enough. Just. To, I know enough to say the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. At least you're no, being honest. I mean, this is one of the things that this is the one of the things that I think is really important. I mean, as I talk about this, as I talk about the, uh, you know, you know, science and Bigfoot. My again, as I said at the beginning, my expertise is in the cultural aspects of this. Right. My expertise is in you know my my. Uh, my theoretical expertise is in, you know, the, the you know, these, the cultural studies end of things. Uh, my applied expertise uh, is in, you know, getting scientists to work together, uh, getting scientists, to, you know, cross fields, getting scientists to work with non-scientists, uh, facilitating that. So I try not to get too deeply into things that are not my area of expertise. Um, but I, I generally have, you know, I generally have uh, folks that I, that I know well that I work with that, um, you know, I can, I've got somebody in my network that I can go to. Uh, this next question might be uh, out of the ballpark too. It's um, they're also asking, uh, do you know of any primates that may have trace uh, trace amounts of chlorophyll in their blood? Uh, I would, <laughs> I, I, I don't recall ever hearing of that. I, I would have a hard time imagining that, but we're completely out of my area of expertise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I figured. Now we could treat this like a game show. If if you need to phone a, phone a primatologist or. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's, 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 that's what I would do. I mean, you know, yeah. it's it's interesting. I mean, 
you know, I mean, you know, chlorophyll obviously we we associate with uh, you know green vegetation. Um, yeah. And so I'm I don't know if there you know it, I don't know if that question is coming from if there's some theory that you know there's some kind of hmm. <laughs> connection there. I don't know. Um, right. You know, I mean, I think that you know there there are certainly. I mean, there there are no shortage of uh, theories, suppositions, uh, uh, just kind of you know ideas uh, about you know what Sasquatch is, what it can do, uh, <laughs> you know these sorts of yeah. things. Um, and some of those are you know certainly um, some of those are certainly more more grounded than others. Um, <laughs> let's say I agree. Um, uh, some, and you know, uh, but you know, I mean, it's it's <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that you know the 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 one of the basic ideas of of most science is that you know you sort of uh, you sort of go with the uh, the the easiest explanation for the evidence that you have uh within the uh within the scope of you know your your current theories of how the world works yeah and so um you know and that doesn't that doesn't make uh that makes some theories uh certainly much you know seem much more probable than others uh, but it certainly doesn't you know make anything you know conclusive and so right, exactly. there's a lot of yeah you know, there's a lot of science there's a lot of speculation i know among bigfoot enthusiasts about about a lot of these things and some of that some of that speculation is simply speculation some of it is is grounded in scientific knowledge. Uh, some of it is, you know, I, but you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's, you know, when we're we're dealing with an unknown. I mean, we we at the end of the day, we really have to say there are a lot of things we just don't know. <laughs> right, you're right, absolutely right. And uh, the thing is, you know, one thing it, from based off of my observations with. A great number of people in the Bigfoot community, Bigfoot world, the world of cryptozoology. You know, a lot of us will agree together that there is no big, there is no such thing as a Bigfoot expert. Because you know, again, as you mentioned, there's nothing concrete, there's nothing documented. Uh, we have for what there is out there, as far as any samples. I mean, there's there's always a there's a question mark between none of, none of this has been proven to be this or that or anything. And the thing is, I mean, then again, you got people, same people that'll tell you there's no such thing as a Bigfoot expert. But then again, they're they're coming at you. They'll tell you, no, Bigfoot is this. Bigfoot's got, you know. Thing is, we don't have nothing to. That's not. There's no documentation, no proof of nothing. But people are. I, I mean, I, I've been seeing it for years. And the thing is, it's like it'd be cool to believe this. It'd be cool that if we had an answer. But. Then again, that's the fun of it. It's a mystery, you know. I, I I always like a good mystery, especially in this field where I love. You know, I love this field, and um, but you know, a lot of people say, well, if 
if Bigfoot was proven to be this or that, would the search be over? Uh, no, no. There's, as far as I'm concerned, me personally, no. I don't think it would be. Um, but you know, it's just like panthers. You know, people say there's no panthers here in Virginia. There's people say it in others. There's several other states where people saying big uh, panthers don't exist, but there's people seeing them. Yeah. You know. You know, so I mean, there's evidence being left behind by them. I had found tracks here in Virginia uh, before I even saw my uh, my panther sighting. So you know, yeah. and the thing is, it's everybody's word against everybody else's. You know, it's all hearsay. You know, and the thing is, we have very little to prove. You know, uh, the show for it. If we do have like tracks, I mean, even Bigfoot tracks, alleged Bigfoot tracks. You know, you know that. You know, a lot of people, especially science, says, well, we can't take that as pure evidence because those could be hoaxed, you know. So, you know, but well, it's, it's yeah, all and, uh, you know, and that's that's something. Yeah, that's something I'll, I'll I'll talk about a bit next week. Is is you know they while they you know you have the Sasquatch hypothesis, I think it's 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 fair to also treat the hoax. Uh, right. The, 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 the dismissal of this as hoax as a hypothesis. Um, yeah, and I think you could evaluate that. And I actually had my students doing that this last semester. Um, and uh, you know, I, you know, the the uh, the reality is, 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 like I said, there are just there are so many things that we do not know. And certainly, in light of that, uh, collecting especially more physical evidence, the more of that that that, that we can collect, uh, the closer. Uh, we would hopefully get to at least being able to um, uh, really talk about, you know, what is what is a probable explanation of these things that people are finding, that people are seeing. Uh, and I think, you know, that the the weight of that evidence and uh, is is what's also going to really start to really uh, get folks who are more expert in the science of this to really start paying more attention. Um, and that's how we might get to, uh, might get to a, a better understanding of, of what is this that's going on? What is this phenomenon? Right. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to tell you what, Darby, I am very look, very much looking forward to, uh, your presentation next weekend. And, uh, you know, cause, uh, you know, I'm excited about the whole thing, period. But you know, I'm, I'm definitely anxious to hear more what what you will be sharing, and uh, um, the the you know everybody attending the event, they they will have the opportunity to answer uh, to ask you questions there as well, because we will have uh, Q and A sessions both Saturday and Sunday uh, evening, um, and so. You'll probably be uh, crowded by a, you know, a lot of people. You, you know, there'll be a time for everybody to meet and greet with everybody. And um, so, yeah, for those who are listening, I will throw it out there again: June 30th and July 1st in Fishersville, Virginia, at the Augusta Expo, is the ECBRO's first annual Virginia Bigfoot Conference. Uh, for information, you can find us on Facebook, on our event page. It's the again, it's the ECBRO. First Annual Virginia Bigfoot Conference. You can find your tickets there and other information as well. Or you can go visit our website, which is virginiabigfootcon.com. 
you go scroll through, you'll see a slideshow of all the speakers, uh, basic event information, and you could also buy your ticket through the webpage. So, um, Darby, as we come to a close, uh, is there any last uh, any last words or anything you want to share uh, before we jump off here? Well, Daniel, thank you so much for having me here tonight. Thank you so much for uh, the invitation to, to to come up to the conference. I really look forward to seeing you again there. I I really look forward to seeing all the folks who who turn out for that conference. I think it's going to be a really uh, I think it's going to be a really great time, and 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 just really looking forward to that. So, thank you. Yes, absolutely. You're very welcome. And I'm glad you you know you decided to be a part of this. It's, means a lot to me and you know and you know bringing everybody from different walks of life and uh, sharing their different views um you know the share with the public you know it's gonna be awesome and um you know for the listeners we're not nobody's forcing nobody to believe anything we're just laying it all out there so you can draw your own conclusions and uh we're just trying to bring the community together for for other like-minded people and to spread awareness so this is Daniel Benoit, your host of Squash on Radio. You guys have a good night, and I uh, keep it squatchy. And uh, meanwhile, Darby, you have a good night, and until um, next time, I'll see you next week. All right, thank you. You too. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Tuning in to Squatch Your Own Radio.